Hello, Spokane, and welcome to Everreal Talks. I'm Jessica Side, here with my husband, Matt Side. Matt Side. Yes. Sorry, he didn't know I was going to say his name, but I said his name. Uh, welcome back. We're excited to have you here. We're excited for another episode. Um, and gives us the opportunity to talk about Spokane and the surrounding areas and things that we love and the history that has formed us. So, Matt, let's start out with... Uh, featured property of the month. It's not a featured house of the month. It's well, is it of the month? It's probably of the week. Of the week, of the week, of the month. Yeah. So anyway, tell us a little our bit featured about it. property. Yeah. Three four three zero zero Tarmigan Lane North. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna spell that because I don't know that everybody knows how to spell Tarmigan. It starts with a P. Yeah, you would never know that. P is in Paul. T A R M I G A N. It is an eight acre, just over eight acre parcel mm-hmm. um it's listed for a hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars yep uh and it is 20 minutes outside of davenport washington toward uh, lake roosevelt so north of davenport washington it is in a gated community mm-hmm. with a clubhouse tennis courts swimming pool and spa which is unusual for a large parcel like that yeah and it is ready to build it's just a few minutes drive from lake roosevelt in the seven bays area which has marinas and yeah, all sorts so, of cool stuff in the seven great bays. area uh, it has power at the road there's a well already installed i just think it's very unusual when i hear you say a gated community i think of house 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 but this isn't all of the I've seen other property around that area, and they're all large parcels. Probably almost, probably an eight-acre minimum on everything. No, actually, that's not true. There's several of them. They're like three acres and things like that. This one happens to be eight acres, um, and for $129,000, that's a really great deal. The, the cool thing, so it's 20 minutes outside of Davenport, right. which is less than an hour from Spokane, so mm-hmm. you're looking at probably about an hour and 15 minutes max from downtown Spokane. <laughs> to have an eight-acre estate with... Again, and the clubhouse, it, I don't know. I just think it's so cool. Like that that idea of living in in on your own acreage but having the amenities of a pool and a clubhouse and a tennis court. I and in the reality of the economy that we're in, if you will, like this ability to work remotely from your job so frequently, mm-hmm. if you I mean, if your job's in Seattle, for example, you right. could live on nearly as i mean it's a small farm eight acres is a small farm yeah i mean i don't know what the the ccnrs are as far as like I don't think you find <laughs> animals I don't and agriculture <laughs> and stuff but the point being yeah that you're in a rural situation so if you're interested in that property mm-hmm. it's on our website you can check it out on our facebook page and then reach out to us 50962 house and we would love to give you more details about it uh, set up a showing of the property um, so reach out. Yeah, and we've got a good drone footage on that as well, so you can check that out, which will give you a little bit of a sense of the area yeah. and the you know all the stuff. Yeah, that's in for the sure. Area. So we're talking about rural property, yes. and this is the direction I want to go with the first part of our show today. I want to talk about rural Washington. Nice. Here's my little phrase: rural Washington, the story of open spaces and near nature living. Ooh. Poetic, right? So we were just talking sure last night. We least. were just talking last night about how Matt has the soul of a poet, and that he just every once in a while it kind of comes out. And and there it is. And now I'll bring it back. Here's. Can I tell you where it came out last night? Do you remember why we I were talking about know. it? I don't. We were talking I'm not about. Sure, Anna, I want to give you permission. <laughs> we were talking about Anne of Green Gables, and as a teenager, Matt read all of the Anne of Green Gables book series. And he I think was there's like five or seven books. Yeah, I mean he was 
And the wonderful thing is, even as a teenager, he was not ashamed of that at all. He was proud of the fact me? that he liked Anne. I loved Anne. Yeah. Like, no, I loved Anne. <laughs> like, it was like, where can I go marry this girl? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so our daughter, like, when they, he can actually have an intelligent discussion about Anne and Anne with an E and all of that. So that's where the poet... Uh, conversation came last night. All right, night. let's get back to real estate Of here. course, of course. Go ahead. So we're talking about Spokane area, eastern Washington, rural spaces. It, one of the draws, as I mentioned before, this property we just talked about, mm-hmm. a shorter commute than many people in Southern California have to get to work living in the middle of the city, <laughs> right. right? Like there's yeah. an hour to two hour commute. And if you look an hour outside of Spokane's core, like the map is peppered with all of these kind of eastern and east central Washington farm communities, mm-hmm. um, all within that short period of time. And so I think that that's a big draw. It's a draw to people for the property we just talked about, but mm-hmm. even just those communities. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about the agricultural community or economy, if you will, within mm-hmm. Washington state. Yeah. So let's just start with some stats. Um, I'm ready for stats. I like stats. Washington has 39,000 farm operating farms that's a lot they are on more than 15 million acres wow wow a farm of active farmland in mm-hmm. the state of washington mm-hmm. it's obviously a major major agricultural state um, it's actually the third largest agricultural exporter in the nation third largest in the nation in the nation that kind of boggles my mind a little bit yeah especially when you think about like well, you the think bread of, basket, or think of it. California. I mean, look at how massively huge that yeah. state is. Yeah. So, so that's pretty. Um, I mean, to brag about for Washington. So it ranks first in the U.S. for production of uh, eleven different commodities. I'll list a couple of wow. the most popular ones okay. here: apples, sweet cherries, pears, hops. Oh man, we should have done it. Uh, and red raspberries. Yeah, we should have done. No. A quiz. Oh. I would have loved a quiz about that. I would have said apples. Uh, Yay for me. <laughs> second in okay. the U.S. You want to guess at these or you just want to... Wait, what did you say the first ones were? First ones were apples, sweet cherries, pears, hops, and red raspberries. I kind of... I know that, that Idaho is known for its potatoes, but do are we are we known for our potatoes at all? We are the second. Oh, really? Second. That's number one of the number two items. So we have sweet. eight commodities sweet. that we rank second in the I'm U.S. I'm not going to try and, and guess the rest of them. That's so the potatoes, only potatoes, grapes, and onions. Okay. And that actually, the grapes leads into the of final, course, one of the final stats. Walla Walla Sweets. Hello. I love Come Walla on, Walla Jessica. Sweets. I grew up eating Walla Walla Sweets with my grandpa. Washington is also the second largest producer of wine in the United States. Wow. We did go. We did go Washington. I was going to say Spokane. We did go Washington State. Uh, Eastern Washington, so it's a different. I mean, obviously, sure. we've got a diverse climate in the mm, state of Washington. Very so, much Eastern so. Washington is a more desert like climate, mm-hmm. uh, and its agricultural highlights include cattle ranching, dairy farms, wheat, apples, mm-hmm. pears, uh, cherries, grapes, and other vegetables. Sure, and we know some of those wheat farmers and cattle farmers. We sure do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, which again, let's, we'll let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, my family grew up in, and we've probably talked about this in past episodes. You didn't episodes. grow up, but you're... No, my family, like my grandfather and my mm-hmm. mom, mm-hmm. Uh, my mom grew up in Odessa, Washington. Yeah. Um, and again, this is kind of the, the cool thing with these little communities so close to Spokane, like some of the, the beauty of these little towns are the community events that they do, like the rodeos and the 
Deutsches Community Fest. days. Odessa is famous or maybe infamous for its Deutsches Fest. I think it's famous at least in our family for Deutsches Fest. <laughs> I know it's one of those things that people are like, "Oh, Deutsches Fest." When I say, "Oh, really?" We talk, you talk about Odessa, okay. with people. I in guess you Spokane. grew up with that. I didn't grow up with that, but now and soon you need to start throwing Odessa into your conversation. Okay, okay. And Deutsches I will Fest do that. Come out. So let me, I got to just talk a little bit about Odessa. Okay. Let's talk about the Odessa territory. Okay. So some history. Uh, was first settled around 1880 by mm-hmm. cattlemen who felt the bunch grass uh, covered land with Crab Creek running through the middle of it mm-hmm. was one of the best rangelands in the Northwest. One such man, George W. Finney, later known as the founder of Odessa, who mm-hmm. once homesteaded land upon which the town now stands. Mm-hmm. In 1892, the no- Great Northern Railroad was built through this part of the country with a sidetrack known as the Odessa Siding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Side as an S-I-D. S-I-D-I-N-G. So it was a sidetrack off the main... You know that's our last name, right? Oh, look at that. Okay, anyway... In order to attract settlers to Odessa and ensure themselves of future success, the Great Northern Railroad offered immigrants free passage and the opportunity to obtain homesteads. By Mm -hmm. 1898, Mr. Finney realized the potential uh, and donated his land and platted the town site. Okay. Uh, 80% of the immigrants settling in Odessa are consisted of Germans from Russia. Many settlers uh, heard of the new land through friends and relatives already living in the area south of Odessa, such as Ritzville and Colfax. These German families uh, living along the Black Sea and the Volga River in Russia as wheat farmers for the past 100 years Hmm. were discouraged by increasing taxes, government harassment, and forced military service. Therefore, their decision to leave Russia and move westwards were made easy. Um, entire families came to Odessa area, bringing with them the German culture they strove to retain throughout many years of hardship in the Russian domination. So that thus the Deutsches Fest was yes. born. And they actually have, like, they've got a... Um, now tell me if this is permanent or if it's just there for Deutsches Fest. They have, like, a, a hall where you can get beer and you can get your... They build it out for the Deutsches Fest. Okay, okay. Like, the beer garden is... I've done Deutsches Fest, but I... The beer garden is is a huge draw and mm-hmm. it is not operating all the time okay because as the final in this little article that i found the population has basically kind of been consistent at around 1200 people mm-hmm. since uh well for the past whatever few 100 decades. years <laughs> uh, anyway uh, no because it was in 1902 was when it was incorporated sure. and there was only 500 people then okay <laughs> so right. it's doubled its, its population really, it's in 100 really, years Woo! just Ballooned. <laughs> so, last thing I want to read here. These plucky pioneers mm-hmm. uh, and their descendants are to be commended for their thrift, industry, simplicity, and Christian beliefs. Their lives revolved around home, family, and church. Kircha, Kinda, and Kucha, which literally means church, children, and kitchen. Nice. So, that's, there you go. That's, that's Odessa. Interesting. Thanks, hon. Yeah. And I'm... So, okay. So, we're talking Odessa. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just say to our listeners out there mm-hmm. that the American cowboy still lives there? Like that, not mm-hmm. just the idea of, but real right. cowboys right. live in Odessa. And I know this because mm-hmm. that is part of my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, my uncle Doug Roller recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, <laughs> I have, so I, I can recall growing up and spending summers 
growing up in Spokane and spending summers down there in rural America. And I wrote this with a true American cowboy, mm. my uncle Doug. Yeah. And so I got, I got to paint a picture of my uncle Doug here. So, so this is a little, a little bit of a tribute. A little to tribute to my uncle Doug Roller. Mm-hmm. So Doug, uh, had a handle handlebar mustache. So kind of picture him now. Uh, he always wore cowboy boots, yep. Wranglers with a huge belt buckle, mm-hmm. a button-up shirt, shirt, not like a flannel, but like you know those button-up with the buttons, the snap buttons. That's right, the little kind pearl. of the little pearl mm-hmm. buttons, um, and they was always tucked in, mm-hmm. and he always had a cowboy hat on. And I'm not even kidding, he always wore boots and Wranglers and a cowboy hat. Yeah. Now he had he wore work it. boots. He wore it well. He would again. These are he was a cowboy. Mm-hmm. He had work boots. Mm-hmm. He had dress boots. Mm-hmm. He had probably just normal everyday boots. Mm-hmm. Same with his hats. Yep. Oh, his he hats. had the Great he hats. had the work hats. He had the dress hats. He had the casual hats. He probably had cowboy hats for football games. Um, <laughs> we'll and have to ask Aunt Sue if that's true. true. <laughs> cowboy nature. Mm-hmm. His hat would come off when. The national anthem would play when people would pray, when he would go into a church. Mm-hmm. But those are probably some of the few times, few times. that it came off. And, yeah. Uh, not graduations. <laughs> Only when the wedding was in a church, but if it wasn't in a church, the hat would be on. That's right. Um, all right. So my uncle Doug, he was one of these agricultural companies, right? Mm-hmm. Like he owned B&D Cattle Company. Mm-hmm. They specialized, you're going to love this. Mm. They specialized in Piedmontese cattle. So that is a breed of, of cattle. Everybody was always so proud of um, the rollers in their Piedmontese because they're a, a specialty breed mm-hmm. that all of the, and I'm quoting my mom, it was the favorite beat of back east like Favorite all those beef of back east huh <laughs> yeah those right. those highfalutin restaurants back east <laughs> would serve the piedmontese like the restaurants my uncle doug would never like he wouldn't be caught dead in them all right so the piedmontese is a breed of domestic cattle that originated in the region of piedmont in northwestern italy oh really i was like what oh that's interesting i thought that was really interesting too yeah uh they have lower uh, it's a lower fat beef with exceptional tenderness and flavor. So nice. So some memories, I uh, just quick memories. Yeah, no, I, I want to hear it. I think this is, Uncle Doug. I think it's important that we point these things out, especially right now. Honestly, as I was kind of like thinking of some of these memories, mm-hmm. like this is like, I, I, I picture us in the hot, long days of summer mm-hmm. on my uncle Doug's ranch between Odessa and Harrington, Washington. Right. And I mean, it was like we would get up as soon as the light was on and mm-hmm. we were gone. We were out on the ranch doing stuff, messing around, getting in trouble. We would come <laughs> home when we were absolutely starving for lunch. Mm-hmm. And then we would be gone again until nine o'clock at night when it was getting dark. Yeah. And so I, I'm remembering the ranch. Like there was the house off to the side was the chicken coop. Mm-hmm. Then right behind it was the kind of a horse pen. Mm-hmm. This is where the horses that we could ride were usually kept. They were okay. closer to the house, a little bit tamer, if you will. Um, below that was where the shop was, where all the heavy equipment was at. Mm-hmm. And then other horse pens where the Greenbroke horses were at that we couldn't ride because we might hurt ourselves. Okay. Uh, and then behind that was where like the pig pens were. And so, okay. um, so that's the picture. And it was really like, we would spend these hot, dusty summer days 
um, dreaming about being cowboys ourselves. And yeah. so we would, <laughs> I mean, we would, we would, when we were little, our, my uncle Doug would like saddle a horse for us before he would leave in the morning. And that way we could like ride the horse around. Right. Because we were two, like we were like eight, nine, ten years old, sure. like Benson's age, yeah. out riding a horse in the, in the fields. And, you know, we would be messing around down with the pig pen and like, <laughs> Dusty, if Dusty ever listens to this, he would get in so much trouble. And half the time it was our idea, but when Doug would get mad and yell at us, it was actually Dusty that was getting yelled at, and yeah. we would kind of step back and be like, "Glad we weren't in the line of fire." <laughs> You're like, but it was probably I don't know nothing. He's the cowboy it was son. <laughs> pro- it was probably my idea for Dusty to sneak into the pig pen and like try and touch the the mama sow and run out before he got gored. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, uh, uh, anyway. Crazy memories. Obviously, as we got older, we um, we had the knowledge and the ability to kind of catch and saddle the horses ourselves. Mm. Uh, and then we would, I mean, we literally would spend the whole day pretending that we were the man from Snowy River. Oh, Like, yeah. we had our own, ha- it was that era. You know the woman in that. Yeah. Was you her, remember what's her name? I was going to say, I was just her thinking name. about it today. What Wasn't it? it Jessica? Yes, it was. Look at that. <laughs> You got a Jessica. I got a Jessica. <laughs> so we would go out. We would, um, as actually, as we got older, we actually spent some time working on the farm too. So True. we'd get up early. We'd go move pipes. Uh, we'd feed the cows in the morning. I remember as like a, a 10 or 11 year old, like I got to drive the truck. Like nice. he put it in gear and it would just kind of idle and move forward. And I got to steer the truck and the cows were all coming in. And he was in the back throwing the hay off to the cows as they'd come in. <sighs> and um, so great. I mean, we had great experiences there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then even older than that, like as we got older, we got to get more involved in what was going on there. So I remember I probably was maybe 14 or 15. Like we would go out. uh, So the cows would kind of calve in the spring Mm -hmm. and we'd have to drive around um, and um, to check on the cows and and make sure that they were okay. And there Mm -hmm. were times where like a cow was having trouble birthing its calf and so there was one particular time i remember that there was a breech calf and so we like parked the truck and doug was trying to get it turned around and he's like so you're like there like we're there this like i remember it it was cold and kind of damp and dark because it was probably like 6 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. and he's like all right matt get over here it's your turn to try and turn him (laughs) i remember i'm not even kidding you i remember being like up to my shoulder trying to like inside the womb of this cow trying to turn the calf around to pull it out and eventually you had to i mean pull the calf so uh the mama's in labor not able to get it out we literally would have to like tie a chain around the calf's legs and like slowly like pull it out yeah and so i've read that book you have i don't know what book that is (laughs) all creatures great and small sorry that's a it starts out with that kind of a a scene in it and then i think kind of my final memories Mm -hmm. with my uncle doug um i mean not final memories but as a kid growing up Mm -hmm. on the ranch down there not really growing up on the ranch but you get it yes um is that we would in the spring and the fall they would do like a roundup and they we would go out we literally saddle our horses in the morning and go out into the pasture and round up the cows and calves and bring them like herd them back into sure. the corrals so that they could do their dehorning and vaccinations and branding mm-hmm. and castrating and all that kind of stuff that they mm-hmm. would do with the calves in the spring and our job 
I mean, we were the grunt labor. Like, we were in yeah. the squeeze chute, like, shoving the calves through. Mm. And, I mean, you would literally end of the day just yeah. dirty, sweaty, like, cow <laughs> stuff all over you. We won't get yeah. too descriptive. but Now, I don't know. Are you going to talk about the branding? Because it's kind of a beautiful thing that just happened this Yeah, year. actually, it was my final note here okay. before I go right. into one last thing. But, yeah. Um, was that my... Uh, my cousins, uh, so right before the funeral, they took his brand mm-hmm. and branded his casket with mm-hmm. his brand, which I think is um, That's, was de- yeah. definitely poetic. And yeah. What a what a um, to have his brand on his casket before he was lowered to rest, I think was just appropriate. So, my last thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wrote down lessons I learned from my cowboy uncle. Mm-hmm. So I'll share those um, kind of toward the end here. So, all right. Lesson one, never lay your hat on its brim. You always put it upside down. <laughs> all right. I like it. <laughs> Some of these are really practical yeah, lessons. Yeah, that's good. Uh, if you have something on your face, that's what your sleeve is for. <laughs> like he literally, when I was probably like four or five years old, he was like, why are you using a napkin? That's what your sleeve's for. <laughs> Uh, the saddle horn isn't to hold on to, it's for your rope. Okay. You could tell a cowboy from a city slicker if they were holding the saddle horn. Yeah, I'm sure I, I've ridden a horse a few times and I know every time I've done that, so. Uh, City slicker. All right, so here's a couple other ones. Uh, we make time for the things that are important to us. (laughs) He thought he was a great example of time invested in his dream of being a cattle rancher. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, time with his family and in his community. So we make time for the things that are important for us. Um, this lesson, you got to cinch the saddle more than once. Uh-huh, okay. So this, this is kind of, for me, it's the idea of being thorough in the things that you do. Mm. So when you, when you cinch a saddle up, like mm-hmm. the, the horse, if the horse has been around for very long at all, like pushes its belly out so okay. that when you're done cinching, it can let it up and it's not so tight and uncomfortable. Gotcha. Which means you have to go cinch it a second time. Mm. So if you don't, if you're not thorough in what you do, you're going to find that your saddle's leaning. Gotcha. So oh, and we had that several goes. times. Uh, another lesson from my uncle Doug: just because it's hard doesn't mean you can't do it. Mm. And that was an example I learned when we were trying to learn how to rope. Yeah. And just like he, he would give us some ideas and techniques on how to do it. But at the end of the day, you just have to practice until you get it. <laughs> um, another lesson. When somebody needs help, you should help them. <laughs> An example of that was, I don't know why, but my uncle Roy up in Laurier, Washington, had a bunch of hay out in the field and we had it had to get put up, or mm-hmm. it was going to start to mildew. And, and Uncle we were, Roy is not the same family. This is not no, his brother. No, it's a different family. It's not his brother. It's no. my. It's a brother from another mother, right? right? Right. They're not related. And we were all on vacation mm-hmm. in Laurier, mm-hmm. and we all took half the day, mm-hmm. five or six hours of our vacation day, mm-hmm. to literally buck hails and get that put up because Roy needed the help and he was going to lose his hay if he didn't get it up. Hmm. And I don't remember the details other than that. Um, another lesson from my uncle Doug, the satisfaction of a job well done is sometimes just a job well done. Hmm. Ooh, that's good. I just remember those days I was talking about when we were working the cows, mm-hmm. like 
you, you, the satisfaction from that day, we didn't get any money. We yeah. weren't being paid to do this. Sure. We were just working hard and it felt good to work hard mm. and, and accomplish something. Mm. And then the last lesson uh, that Uncle Doug, I have referenced over the years, when you get bucked off, you dust yourself off and you get back on. Mm. And I, I have the memory of getting tossed from a horse and after he made sure I wasn't needing to go to the hospital. <laughs> Other than that, dust, I, don't, I know it hurts and I know you don't want to get back up there. You dust yourself back off and get back on that horse. Yeah. And that is a life lesson. It, if you've never been tossed from a horse, you don't know the mental battle it sure. is to get back up on that creature that <laughs> you know might dump you off again. Yeah. And uh, so I know. I'm cheering up. That's just the way I am. He's looking are, at me like, you're crazy, woman. These are... Some of my life lessons yeah. that I probably didn't even really think that came from my Uncle Doug until I took the time to really think about it. So. Yeah. And hopefully Aunt Sue gets a chance to to see this and hear this and know these things about yeah. and my your feelings about your Uncle Doug. Dusty and TJ and Nicole, my cousins. And, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so we will miss you, Uncle Doug. Yes, we will. Oh, man, now I'm feeling all emotional. <laughs> Well, we've got a few minutes left. What are you going to transition to? Yeah, I know. To? Oh, my goodness. This just doesn't <laughs> even seem right, i got to tell you. Um, now, uh, I have some stuff. We talked last week about Spokane's uh, recovery from, no, excuse me, the big fire, the great fire of 1889. And I have some things this week about the, the recovery of that. I'm trying to decide if I have enough time to go into that or if I should... Break I it think, up a little bit. I think we should break it up a little bit. And I think that you wanted to talk about... Yes, the, I have something. Yeah. I just wanted to make well, sure. I'm just I'm just trying to decide. I'm like, oh, I maybe I get in trouble a in. lot for not telling a story very well. Like I jumped to the punchline a little bit too That's fast. True. So you could see her cut me off really fast there because oh, well. I was going to give away something. No. Okay, so here's kind of a fun thing. And um, we'll transition to this. And you will be able to find this if you go to our Facebook page. We will make sure that it's posted there. Um... But Spokane is actually in the middle of trying to choose a new city flag. And I thought it was kind of fun. So there is a place, and it will link it on our Facebook page where you can go. There are over 300 designs, 301, which sounds very overwhelming. Whoa. But honestly, the website is super easy. You don't have to register. And it shows you maybe 12 at a time, 20 at a time. And you can just, like, there's a little heart next to every single every single flag, and you can heart those. And what they're doing is they're narrowing down because in the spring of this year, they're going to actually let people vote. So they're taking those 300 flags, and they are getting people's, you know, like, input by those little hearts. I see. And then you, and that, that will then narrow down to a smaller group. And it's really fun. Actually, it's really fun because obviously a lot of different people submitted these. And you have the ones that I like the best... Um, are the ones that focus on the river, that focus on farming in the surrounding areas, and have something to do with our native history. Mm. Um, also, some of the ones with the um, the Monroe Street Bridge, you know, oh, that kind of cool. iconic. Yeah. And Do so, they have a garbage goat on any of them? I, actually, I think there might be. I know that Expo 74 has plays into some mm. of those, which Expo, Expo, Expo 74 certainly had a focus on those things as well, the river... Our, our heritage, those kinds of things. So I think it's kind of fun. I think it might be fun for you to go check out. So go to our Facebook page. Yeah. 
there'll be a link there. You can go there, and it's uh, really no. Go do some harding because we don't want people to like vote in dumb ones. Yeah. Because that is always a risk for something like this. No, I'm not going to say any of them are dumb. Obviously, somebody worked at it and somebody okay. submitted that. So I'm sorry if I offended careful, you by sir. calling them dumb. There are some that might be better than better others. Better than others, certainly, certainly. And you can just, it's super fast. You go through I think the we pages all, and... They all get a participation award for being in the top 300, gets a right? Yes, I think so. I think that's, I might be the only 300, so <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, anyway, that's, that's what I have for you today, folks. And then next week, I will finish um, up by talking about the recovery from the 1889 Great Fire. It's quite interesting. We have some uh, figures that you will know who they are that kind of started their careers after that fire and because of that fire, honestly. So... No, that'll be very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica, for wrapping us up here. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on yes. Ever Real Talks. If you need any help or have questions about real estate-related stuff, you can find us at 50962 House or just search our social media or website at E-V-O-R-E-A-L. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.